welcome to Bamsey's Humanity First podcast. I am Chris Ryan, along with Peter Evers. We're back in person again and excited to be here with Peter at uh, Bamsey at 10 Christie's in uh, Brockton, Massachusetts. And we're really excited about our guest today and also talking a little bit about the role that uh, women play here at Bamsey as a part of Women's History Month, where this is a uh, staff that is predominantly female. And uh, I think that that's pretty significant in uh, this place and time. And Peter, um, your thoughts on that and uh, being here as a part of Women's History Month and the role that women play in the organization. Yeah, thanks, Chris. And uh, well, first of all, welcome to Pam Buckland, who is our new um, VP of Communications, Marketing and Philanthropy. So great to have you with us, Pam. Great to be here. Thank you for having me today. And I think this is week number three, so you're pretty much fully oriented and ready to go. I have hit the ground running. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's a thanks for raising that issue, Chris. You know, it's it, it is. Someone said to me, um, a very prominent uh, woman in my life said, you know, I look forward to the day when we don't have to have a National Women's Month, and I completely concur with that. You know, we have. Um, been blessed in uh, in human services with having a workforce that is so talented. Uh, and yet, I think over the years, there have been real issues of inequality, and we've talked a lot about those inequities in terms of race, uh, and not so much, perhaps, in those uh, around gender. So I think it's always a really good conversation to have uh, in terms of, especially in our line of work, because the uh, the lion's share of the of that work is done by women. Um, so good uh, that we're having that conversation, and perhaps as we weave through this um, podcast, we can sort of uh, talk about that a bit more. But I'd like um, just to have Pam say a little bit about herself and I you know we have had uh, this position vacant for about a year now so there's an awful lot of work to be done Uh, and Pam it would be great if you could talk a little bit about where you've come from because I think that is a really significant piece for us in terms of where we're going uh, and your expertise and and perhaps also what you've learned in the first uh, three weeks of of being here uh, and, and what are your big plans? Well, thank you. I'm really excited to be here. So a little history about myself. I've been in um, higher education fundraising for more than 10 years. So Bamsey is a little uh, change for me, so to say. I've worked for both Bryant and Brown Universities. Most, Most of my career was spent at Brown University, where I was on their direct marketing team. I oversaw their direct mail. Um, We did our first Giving Day in 2014 at Brown, which was a huge thing in 2014. I then went on to Bryant University, where I was the Senior Assistant Director of Annual Giving there and Interim Director of the Bryant Fund. And I had the opportunity to oversee um, two of their most successful Giving Days ever. Uh, Most recently, on the second worst stock market day of the year in 2020, we had our Giving Day and raised over a million dollars in less than 24 hours. So that was really exciting. Um, coming to Bamsey off of that is definitely a change. Um, but, you know, I think my career has given me the foundation for some really great opportunities at Bamsey. Bamsey's an incredible organization. Um, you know, it's so heartwarming to see the work that Bamsey does coming from higher education. And I remember, you know, when I was applying for the job thinking, what is Bamsey? Um, And going out and doing my research and actually listening to this podcast (laughs) every single episode. So, um, 
you know, and for me, you know, making the change from higher education, I think one of the most eye-opening experiences for me was right before I started, I volunteered for what we call our brown bag. And I, that's, you know, basically an event where volunteers come in and thousands and thousands of pounds of food are delivered from the Boston Food Bank. And there's just assembly lines of people, including Peter, <laughs> um, you know, putting food in paper bags that are going to be delivered to senior citizens who don't have the means to have food available to them the way that some of us do. And I left that event and thinking to myself, what are the motivators behind the jobs that we all take in life? You know, what motivates us every day to get up and go to work? And I remember picking up the phone and, and calling my mother and saying, I, I found my motivator. Um, I found, you know, why I came to this organization because I can really, through marketing and philanthropy, not only put BAMSI in the forefront and make people aware of what BAMSI is, but to help bring an education to what we do and help raise money to make BAMSI better than we already are. So that's my motivator for being here, and I'm so excited to be here. Um, some things that I've learned in the first few weeks, this is an incredible organization. The people work hard. They really work hard. Everyone from the bottom to the top works so hard to make a difference for every single person, and we all have the same goals. We just really want to make a difference in the world that we live in. And, you know, there's no matter where you go, um, there's always going to be room for improvement. So I'm really excited to take some of those areas and improve upon them. Okay. So you mentioned this was a, a significant shift in the field that you're working in. What led you, either from your own personal background and story or just from where you are in your work life, uh, to want to make a change where you're doing something that's similar to um, what you were doing in higher education, but the overall uh, mission and the service of the entity is different? So I think it's important, you know, I talk a lot about, and you'll hear me, hear me say throughout meeting everybody, that you can't judge a book by its cover. And so, you know, I think we have a lot of preconceived notions about who people might be, and we just make those based off of maybe the roles that they're in or, you know, the things that they do in their lives. And for myself, believe it or not, I graduated college in May of 2020, this past May. Um, I've gone to school and worked and had a family this whole time. I wasn't afforded the opportunity to have an education. And I didn't grow up in a home that had a white picket fence. And I didn't grow up with the opportunities that a lot of people think that I may have had when you just see me on the outside. So for me, you know, I have always thought, how can I make a change in the world? And I remember when I was a young child, my mother, despite us not having a lot ourselves, every Christmas would invite a homeless man into our home. And one Christmas, he gave us, a, me and my siblings, each a $5 bill. And at that time, you're, you know, seven, eight years old. $5 means nothing to you. Um, for me, growing up, looking back, that is probably the most impactful mm -hmm. gift I have ever received in my life that has made me want to make a change in the world. And did I do that through higher education? Absolutely. I think at that time, you know, I was someone who was working in an industry that didn't have an education, wasn't afforded an education, and was trying to make sure that other students didn't ever have to be told, I'm sorry, you can't finish your education here because you don't have the money. But as I look back at the things that make me 
feel motivated the most. It's really seeing a change in someone's life, making, you know, the impact on someone to find a job and get out of homelessness. And I've worked with other organizations that have done that. And and that's really when I was looking at BAMC why I applied for the position here, because I wanted to have a broad impact. So let's unpack that a little bit, because of I think course. that gets to, I mean, that, you know, thank you for sharing that of with course. us. It's, a, it's, um, it's really fascinating to know. But what I'm interested in, and uh, Pam, you and I have talked about this before, and in a previous job, somebody who was in your position had said to me, well, it's impossible to raise money for mental health in this state, which is a strange thing for the VP of philanthropy to say. Um, But I'm interested in that connection because I think we all want to be part of something that's bigger than ourselves um, and have some meaning to our lives. Um, And... I think part of our problem is that we ha- we do amazing things here on a daily basis. And the people who are the recipients of that or the people who are, are working with us understand that. We haven't necessarily told that story to a broader audience. And in some ways that does a disservice to those people who want to give back. I mean, the receiving is one thing but giving is another. And there's much more pleasure, I think, in this notion of giving when you understand that that giving is going to en- enhance the lives of others and make it easier for our staff to do their job. Talk a little bit about that connection. How do we begin to carve out that connection of this great secret that is kept at Bamsey, connecting with those people who want to give and want to be part of this organization? What's your thumbnail of that? Well, I think, you know, first of all, philanthropy is something that you see now more that is taught to people. Um, I think that, you know, I, I see my young son and I say to him, okay, you're going to take some of your allowance and you're going to give that to somebody in need. And so it's it's educating people on the importance of philanthropy. Um, you know, you don't just wake up and decide to, to give back. And so sometimes it's pulling at the heartstrings. You really have to tell the story of the organization. And that's what's really amazing about BMC is, just in the short period of time I've been here, I've heard some incredible stories. Um, you know, even the story last week that Kathy Anderson told about the young man who lost his wife during COVID and had children. I mean, those are the stories that really, you know, give you the chills and make you realize, okay, I'm actually capable of helping someone. And we just really need to tell that story a little bit better than we're already doing. And that's through our social media channels. That's through, you know... I hope when COVID goes away soon <laughs> that, you know, we can get out into the public eye and really hold events, get out into schools, talk to people about mental health. I don't think that there's anything wrong with having some of the conversations about homelessness and food, you know, malnutrition. These are all things that are very, very important to every single person. And it's just how we talk about it. And it's how we push that out there and get those messages out there you know, finding new donors is, is of course, difficult. But, you know, it's how you tell the story and it's getting people to volunteer for the organization and finding a tie to BAMC so that they feel connected to the organization and want to give back at a monetary level. You know, and a $20 gift, believe it or not, when you take $20 and you add that up to 100 that makes a big difference for BAMC. And that's, you know five gifts of $20. So it's five people making a $20 gift. In 
talking about and hearing about Bamsey, it's always been mentioned that there's there's so many different things that Bamsey does that makes it difficult from a uh, communication standpoint. And to me, um, that's not necessarily true because it's about how you communicate those various things because each person like you, Pam, me, and Peter, we have our own story. And in that story, there's uh, various challenges that family members, friends, or ourselves have overcome. And this organization provides answers and solutions for so many of those different problems. So you may not be you know, connecting with everybody with one specific idea or initiative, but if you're putting that out there um, and there's a reason and a way for a person to volunteer or give, whether they are of means or not, they're going to try to figure out a way to serve that cause greater than your own self-interest that you were describing before. So to me, um, in an organization like this, it is just about, as you're referencing, putting those stories out there and allowing for individuals to you know, connect with what is their own personal story with an, with another person. And, you know, from, from your perspective, what are some of the ways to, you know, to go about um, doing that and to, you know, connect um, individuals in our organization with those outside? Because I think you touched upon the aspect of, of volunteerism. Um, there are so many people who want, whether they're in uh their retirement years or whether they're just looking for you know something to do they want to give back and providing that platform the opportunity and the uh and creating even more initiative i think is the way to to engage individuals i agree um you know volunteerism is a huge avenue of giving back and we have so many opportunities i mean obviously right now they're somewhat limited Mm -hmm. because of what's going on around us but you know, I'd love to see in the next year that we have an entire volunteer base that can help us put on some events, um, you know, that can go out and, and be a part of this brown bag. We're doing another one this Thursday and, you know, we are looking for volunteers and we're putting that out on our social media saying, hey, if you want to come volunteer, we'd love to partner with corporations and, you know, get their staff to come in and volunteer as a team building exercise. It's a great way to, you know, kind of motivate your team that, hey, there's a common cause here and we can all help as a corporation too. So I think that, you know, there's so much potential with volunteer work and there's so much potential with everything that we're doing and connecting the community to what we're doing. You know, I think um, I think you're absolutely right. I also think that these campaigns that we're thinking about and that, that um, I've been involved in before, which is this sort of descriptor of sort of sort of awareness around mental health um, and uh, you know other diseases as well is just really important and what it does I think in some ways is makes a connection between those people out in the community and an organization like this this you know I remember being uh, giving us a talk up in New Hampshire a few years ago and I said stand up anybody in this audience who has not their families have not been affected by substance use disorder Nobody stood up, and I knew they wouldn't, because there isn't a family that is not affected by this. That changes the fulcrum of the conversation a little bit, because then we begin to have a, a question, a, a conversation with ourselves, like, oh yeah, that's right. Alcoholism, in this particular case, is a, is a disease that has blighted this country and the world, in fact. And 
then you sort of begin to normalize that. You can have a conversation about it as a disease rather than a choice. I think those things are really important. And, you know, as, as you were talking, Pam, I was thinking, you know, take accountants, for instance, you know, during tax season. I would imagine that that's a pretty stressful job for those young, probably type A personalities. You know, why don't we reach out to those firms and say, you know, would you like someone to come and talk about stress management? Would you like someone to talk about, you know, the uh, work-life balance? Those are the kind of partnerships that you make that then want people to give back. Uh, and, you know, those partnerships with, with organizations. It's really about selling what we do proudly rather than, and I think we're all sort of guilty of this, sort of providing these amazing services sort of behind closed doors. We're pulling back the curtain a little bit to say, you know what, this is what we do. We're very proud of what we do, and it works. Uh, and I always say this, and Chris will sort of roll his eyes at this, but treatment works, and for chronic diseases, the work that we do, we have the best outcomes, better than, you know, um, meta- metabolic disorder, better than diabetes, those kind of things. We need to tell that story. And I think that's a really great point. I mean, as you're thinking of you know, students that are going to be going back to school, this is going to be a huge change in, uh, you know, being stuck home with their parents on a computer and how do we socially socially interact with one another? There's probably some mental stressors around that for students. You know, I think we were talking about even our pets are going to go through some sort of, you know, mental instability because they're so used to us all being home and now we're going back to the office. And, you know, even coming into the office, I think after COVID, you're going to see people who are you know, not comfortable, they're not sure, they're apprehensive. And I think that there's a lot of mental stressors that not just COVID, but just in general now from the way that the world has been for the past year. And there's a lot of opportunity for BMC to grow from that and and help the community and help everyone get through that. Yeah, on mental health, I think that there's a normalization of um, just dealing with it, so to speak where it's not seen as being by some significant enough in order to um, step out and to address uh, mental health, where, you know, Peter talked about the normalization of it. And to me, the the normal is that if you are depressed or have anxiety, um, you just kind of keep moving forward. And I think that particularly amongst males, that's a a prevalent uh, attitude. And that it's not, you know, something that's serious enough to be on par with um, some of the other physical illnesses that are discussed on a, ser- on a consistent basis. And that there's a, a weakness that is associated with stepping forward and, um, you know, seeking treatment. And that to me has to be, you know, as we move into May, which is Mental Health Awareness Month, that has to be one of the, the main focuses moving forward is not just moving towards a, a parity between uh, physical and mental health care, but to let individuals know that it's, it is significant enough for you to, to go out and to, to seek treatment and to you know, try to better your life. You don't have to settle for you know, what the circumstances are. And you know, I feel that very often people feel that it, things could get worse or... Um, my life's fine the way it is. It's it just, it's just, I'm just, I just have anxiety. It's just the way it is. Um, 
I feel that uh, that we as a as a society need to do exactly what Pam was talking about in that be cognizant of how things affect your your mental health and don't be like well you know the kids were at home now they're back at school now you're complaining that it's, you're gonna get mental health problems both ways yeah you are every every variable in life creates um, different mental health challenges just as if you're putting your you know your hand in a door the more you increase the pressure the more the hands gonna hurt um, and I just don't think that people think about it in those terms and they kind of brush their mental health to the to the backdrop. And I think that that's, you know, it should be a really significant point of emphasis moving forward is to have conversations just like this and for people to talk about their um, their mental health in settings that they're, you know, they're normally not um, comfortable yeah, and I do think that, you know, over time, most people who struggle with anxiety or depression have been met with, um, we're not talking about that. We, as a community, don't always know how to answer those those questions or to behave when somebody acknowledges um, that they're going through a period of depression. And so it's all about that sort of teaching. One of the things that we're doing is uh, applying for grants to provide mental health first aid, for instance, this is the idea of exactly what you're talking about, Chris, normalizing that conversation. So people can actually say, and I do, you know, I want to say, and I, I think it's remarkable that this new generation coming up just has a totally different opinion about, mm -hmm. about depression and mental health. And it's very normal to hear, you know, one of my uh, children's or, or their cohorts saying, oh, yeah, I was in therapy and it really helped me. Would, if I was in my middle 20s, well, when I was, I should say, those conversations weren't, weren't happening. So all of that work, I think, is, is helping. But our community needs to be educated as well. We need to educate ourselves around the importance of having those conversations rather than, as you say, withdrawing and thinking you're the only one who's struggling with it. So BAMSI, I think, has a real remit to get that message out into the community and sort of fight for our mental health. You know, I like the, I like the way of putting that as opposed to thinking about it as a disease. Our mental health is absolutely vital to our overall health. We might have a new campaign right there, Fight for Our Mental Health. <laughs> I told you, just give, give Peter a topic and he'll come up with some slogans for you. Um, I want to get back to where we started at the beginning about uh, BAMSI mm -hmm. being really a, a woman-led uh, organization. And, you know, through the course of my career in, in media and um, in consulting and other areas, it is very rare to find an environment that is like this one. And, you know, from from the beginning, when we're in Zoom meetings or on calls, it is not just predominantly female, it is entirely female and me in, in, in most circumstances. And, you know, that that's led me to think a lot and to you know, to think about what it's like for, for females in other aspects of my profession, sports being one of them, where what's the challenge of being a female in a locker room filled with males and um, male reporters and male executives and male coaches. And, you know, I'm at the top of the food chain as the white male like Peter. Um, and, you know, you can, you can really start to, um, to, to, to think about what it, what that is, what that is like. And, um, I have just been so impressed with Bamsey's focus on equality in a real sense. It's not equality of, oh, we need to do 
this and this. It's who is the best person for each job and um, letting the, you know, the, the cream rise to the top, so to speak. And that focus on, on equality to me is really, really refreshing. And um, I've been just so impressed you know, with that. Um, I heard a statistic, I believe that Bamsey's about 70 74%. 74%. 74%, uh, 74% um, female as a staff, that's remarkable. No, it's great. Um, you know, and, and being a female, I think, and coming into an organization from organizations that were predominantly male, you know, at the higher levels and throughout the bottom as well, it, it's very empowering. And I think that that's one great thing about being at BAMC and there being a large population of women is that we all are here to empower one another and work together. And, you know, you're not seeing anything different than that. And that's really great. Um, you know, coming in and, and seeing the team that I have, uh, including you, Chris, <laughs> um, you know, is great. It, it's it's amazing to see these women who have stayed here for such a long period of time. And, you know, and I don't want to talk just about at the top, but let's talk about at the bottom, mm-hmm. too. You know, there's so much opportunity for all of these women that work at BAMC to grow in this organization. And we, you know, need to create a path for that. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, we are, you know, empowering these women to grow into positions like a vice president. I mean, I never woke up one day and thought I'd be a vice president. It's it's one of those things that you you know, through being able to grow and, and having leaders that really stand behind you and push you to grow, um, you, you get to where you are. And, and I think, you know, from a leadership perspective, I, and you've probably heard me say this, is that if my staff is not growing, then I'm not doing my job. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a great perspective to have as we look at all these women and think, okay, how can we get them to where they wanna be? And finding a mentor. Yeah, you know, I think I, I couldn't agree more, but I think the most important thing you said there, Pam, goes to the intentionality of it. You know, ev- as we address inequities in the workplace, whether it be gender, whether it be race, you can't just hope these things will fix themselves because they won't, because nope. there is a dominant paradigm, and we know that. And I always think of Ruth, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who, you know, she, she said so many wonderful things, but one time she was asked, um, so how many... Um, how many women should there be on the Supreme Court? When, you know, when are you going to be satisfied with what number? And she said, nine. And the reporter looked and said, nine? Well, that's all the, the seats on the Supreme Court. And she goes, yes. And that's how it's been with males for the last 150 years. And it was just this wonderful, it was a wonderful observation around inequity and how you address those, those issues. And we need to be absolutely at the front of that conversation intentionally creating pathways for people to succeed here. There's nothing that succeeds in an organization than people being promoted from within and those pathways being created. And you said another really important thing. You said so many important things. Another (laughs) really important thing, which is you have to create those opportunities for people. You can't just say, oh, that person will do well. You have to ensure that they do and make sure that you create those pathways for them. And those pathways aren't built overnight either. I mean, it takes a long time to kind of enroot them and embed them in an organization of this size. But 
you know, I, I think under your leadership, Peter, you know, just in the short period of time I've been here, I can see that you're really trying to do that and to make that happen for everybody throughout the entire organization. And that's a really great feeling. And, and so much of why I came to BAMC, um, you know, I think that having you as a CEO is an incredible opportunity for everybody that works here. Well, I think it is. I think that's very kind of you to say, Pam, but I think it really is about ensuring that we can, we can always do better with this and we have to continue to have those dialogues about, you know, we don't want to leave anyone behind and everybody has to have the opportunity to that to do that. And our, um, our workforce uh, groups that are meeting, especially the succession planning group, is really looking at those opportunities and, and investing. Uh, and as you say, it doesn't happen overnight, um, but it can't come quick enough. No, and I think, too, you know, this is an amazing organization to work for, and there's so many opportunities out there right now for, you know, new nurses looking to get into BAMC or, you know, looking to start their careers. There's plenty of jobs out there, um, but if I can say within the first three weeks of being here, if I had to go through it all over again, I would definitely have started here. (laughs) Yeah, I think that one thing that ties the organization together is um, individuals wanting to help and wanting to provide um, you know, opportunity for each other to, uh, to rise you know, through the organization. And you know, that, I think, is what makes a, a great team, is when there is that um, intentionality to provide equal opportunity, but also to, um, to help and to see a processes come to fruition that allows for um, that ability to to rise and you know it's 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 preaching it because if you don't call your shot then it's difficult to have it come to fruition and then it's the other piece of having it uh, come to reality and you know I, I've seen that here from from the beginning um, you know when we first uh, when I first started a little after Peter here um, you know we, there was a the the issue of racial injustice which um, was throughout our country. And we looked internally and said, what takes place here that is inequitable? And how can we fix it? And we had real conversations and have started a process of, um, of creating effective change and having uh, individuals who are going to be focusing specifically on instituting that change. And because it's, it's easy to, to talk to have things come to fruition and to be what you want is much more challenging. And I feel that we're headed in the right direction on that. I do too. And it is is a lifelong uh, job that we have to commit to. And and I feel that we have the right people here at BAMSI to do that. Well, Pam, Peter, that was great. Hopefully that lives up to the previous podcast, Pam, that you uh, digested during your time <laughs> leading up to your uh, your arrival here at BAMSI. Um, we appreciate uh, it and look forward to uh, talking to you again and work with you. Great. I'm so happy to be here and thank you so much for the work that you're both doing. Thank that's, you. That's Pam Berkland. She is the VP of Philanthropy, Marketing, and Communications here at BAMSI. For Peter Evers, I am Chris Ryan. Have a great rest of the day, everybody.